Welcome to another Monday. Thank you so much for starting your week with us here at 5 Minutes with Sean, maybe 10. This week's show, we go a little bit old school, um, not because we wanted to, only because technology let us down. Um, today, I'll be interviewing Dave DiCecco. Dave is one of the brightest, most intriguing car people I've ever met. And it's his passion for his business, for the BDC world specifically that draws me to him. You're going to see exactly why in this episode. The reason I say old school is the video concept part here has fallen apart on us. So we have just an audio old school five minutes with Sean edition here. Um, You'll hear me say in the intro that I was on video. Turns out I wasn't either. So uh, we don't have it, but it's no big deal because what matters is the content. What you're going to want to listen to is how Dave talks about how to basically deal with all of this and how you're going to come out the other side. Um, Just please get your teams together, sit down and take notes because this week's episode is a can't miss. Thank you guys so much and we'll see you again next Monday. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another 5 Minutes with Sean. Maybe 10 today is going to go more than 10 minutes. I can guarantee that. Uh, We are doing another sit-down edition. This one's a little bit different because we got myself on video, but my guy, Dave DiCecco, coming in from North Carolina. Dave, how are you, man? I'm doing great. How are you today? I'm wonderful, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Dave's joining us from his dealership. He uh, doesn't have the capability of the video side of things right now. We're not worried about it. We're going to press through. Um, Dave, talk to me first, man. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. You and I have tried to set up a few different times, so I'm glad this worked. Tell me, man, how long have you been in the car game, and uh, what's the current role today for the folks who don't know you? Okay. Uh, been in the car business for 24 years. I broke into it back way back when, and actually I used to sell insurance, and I was selling life insurance and I was at a guy's house selling him a policy for his family and he owned a car dealership and he says I got a great concept people come to you you don't have to go knocking on doors why don't you come work for me and uh, I called him up about a week later and I've been in the business ever since I spent 15 years with him before I moved down to North Carolina um, helped him grow his group up to 12 stores and then I relocated to North Carolina and I've been here since. And while I started with him, I started in sales. Went to F&I for about a year. Hated it. Um, <laughs> 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 like everybody does. You're either alone or you hate it. I hated it. Um, went to the desk. And then he came to me one day and he says, this little box, the computer, he says, one day is going to make me a lot of money. You might be the only one that can figure out how to use it and started the first, so to speak, internet department back then. And I've been doing this now probably close to 18, 19 years doing internet BDC sales. And you are and you're a BDC manager or director as currently, right, Dave? That's how the setup is. You have multiple rooftops and the team you work with? Yes. Yes. Yeah, multiple. I've got um, Buick GMC, Chevrolet, Cadillac. We have a Nissan and we have a pre-owned store. And I run both the sales and the service uh, department BDCs. It's a lot of work, my friend. It's a lot of work. And you said how long have you been with the current group you've with? Uh, current group I'm with uh, two years now. Two years. Now, you were talking to me pre-show about your group. Just kind of highlight for me the, 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 the great things going on right now within your group as it relates to kind of what we're all dealing with right now in this industry. 
Okay, yeah. I mean, this coronavirus, I mean, every day people are talking about getting laid off and everything like that. And one of the reasons I came to work for this group was uh, the longevity of some of the employees here because she took a philosophy from her dad about being employee-centric first and foremost. And there are some employees that started when her dad opened this business 42 years ago that are still here. And she had a company meeting store by store, and we basically said we're going to go to a skeleton crew across the board. We're going to lay out, you know, we're going to, um, the county issued a, a stay at home. And it, at that point, it closed our sales department down completely, and we could only have service and parts open. And she said, I'm going to guarantee everybody's paycheck, one week average pay, whatever you're averaging year to date, commission or sales uh, hourly, I'm going to guarantee that pay while we're shut down for the next three weeks because that was what the order was for. So she has guaranteed everybody's pay for them to stay home for the last three weeks because she says, I am not going to lay you off if I can help it. And I, that's something you don't like listening to everybody out there saying I just got laid off because of this. I thought that was great. She's keeping everybody on their health insurance. She's still keeping up everybody's health insurance plans and all the other stuff while we're doing this. I just think it was awesome. Um, we got a reprieve a few days ago where we could open sales on appointments only, and we called to see who wanted to come in, and everybody volunteered, but we decided that, I said, how do you want to do it? She goes, well, bring in a couple each day, rotate a couple ships around so that way someone gets exposed. We don't have everybody exposed. And she goes, whatever they sell, I'll, rate, I'll add on to it so they're not still going to lose any money during this time until we get through this. And I was like, okay. So I've got half my BDC here. we got a third of our sales staff here. And we're plugging along best we Man, can. That is, that, that is so awesome to hear. And, you know, bravo, high fives all around for your ownership group. I mean, that is just during times like these, man, I bet I was fortunate in 08 to work for great people. I was fortunate after 9-11 to work for great people. And I got to tell you, you really can tell who people are uh, in times of panic, in times of crisis. And so to have a group like yours say what they're saying with multiple rooftops and all the, all the experience, everyone has expense, everyone has things they're trying to get through and get past. And here your owner is guaranteeing people pay. I just, I'm very impressed by it, Dave. It must make it easier for you to kind of go home and, and be, be yourself and be who you are knowing that's who you work with. Oh, yeah, because when we knew this was coming down the road, because she's friends with the county commissioners, we knew this was coming. The hardest thing I had to sit there, I'm looking out at my BDC staff, and I'm sitting there saying, man, I may have to lay some of these people off. And, you know, everybody's got families, kids, bills to pay, and I'm like, I, I, this is like a family for me. My, my team and I, are, we're like one giant family together. We all get along. We've all been together a while. Um, we're a great group of people to work with. And it was the hardest thing I thought I was going to have to do. And when she had that meeting, it was like, wow, this is why I came to work for you. That's just that, that's really heartwarming. And the, the part I like about it, you talk about family. And obviously, I've gotten to know you through social media, LinkedIn over the years and, and, and watching you. And, and you talk about your team. And I got to tell you, I think it was very recently where you walked into like a birthday day surprise, right? These guys like did up your office. They, they do all these great things for you. And it looks like you returned that, man. How did that culture sort of become what it is today, Dave? And obviously, it doesn't happen immediately. But what is that? What is the work that goes into that? What does that look like? 
Okay. Um, yeah, I came in on my birthday. They decorated my office the night before. Streams, everything all over the place. They had a cake for me, bought me lunch, the whole nine yards. Um, I built the culture here. I had four kids I raised. Like my youngest one is a uh, sophomore in high school, so she's almost out of the house. Everyone I got are younger um, working moms, basically. Um, I've always believed family came first. So I've always been, like, flexible with my staff in terms of scheduling. So, like, if someone says, my kid's got a softball game or, I, you know, my kid's got a – can I go um, chaperone my kid's field trip? We work around everybody's schedule here. We'll shift schedules. I'll cover if I have to so that someone can go be with their kids um, and spend time with it. We all – you know, I take my group out um, once a month um, as a BDC. We go out and do something. Like, we went bowling last month. Um, as a group, so we'll we bond together, and we work together that way. And I think I'm I'm a believer of building that culture within where people want to work with you. And I don't believe in leading by dictating what to do, but by coaching and working with and mentoring along the way. Well, Dave, that that comes through, man. It comes through online. It comes it comes through from a distance, I, I mean, I'm sure you already know that, but it really does, and, and, and I, I like to take notes. So one of the notes I just took on you uh, was that you said you use the word family quite a bit and kind of how you are willing to cover for your family. Now, if I remember correct, uh, when this pandemic really, it, it hit really hard, really fast in your area, when everything was closed down, Dave was going to work and Dave was the BDC, not only internet, you know, BDC director, but Dave was the, the BDC worker bee for the days. How was that, and, and was that was that at all different for you, or was it like, hey, I just have more work because today no one's here? Um, it was it was not easy. Let me just say, it really wasn't easy. Because I've got a staff of 10 people, and I was down to one, me. Um, it wasn't easy to stay up. Um, I did the best I could. I mean, I just came in and I kind of plugged along. I kind of work... I fill in when people are on vacation. I fill in when people are out sick like that. So I can do everybody. I'll fill in everybody's spots anyway. So it just made my day a little bit more hectic along the way. But we couldn't sell cars in the showroom. So a lot of the calls with those people were like, I can't help you right now. We're on a shutdown for three weeks. You know, the county won't let me sell a car. Um, the service ones, I could get them in and try to get them into the service area. But uh, there was a week there that I did this before I was told I could bring some help in that, wasn't sure I was going to make it through. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, call, we'll call it Hell Week for the time being. But let's circle back to something because I'm not sure a lot of people who might be watching the show are familiar with what you maybe just mentioned, which is that your county gave a superseding message basically to that of your state. Can you just touch on that a little bit, kind of what it was versus what's changed and how that works for you guys? Right, yeah. Our county is the hardest hit county in the state of North Carolina in terms of the amount of cases with the coronavirus. So... When the governor issued his stay, car sales was considered essential, but he also said that if your county has stricter restrictions, you must adhere to the stricter restrictions. Our county banned car sales for three weeks. As a non we didn't fall under the essential. They said it was non-essential. Our service department could remain open and parts could remain open, but our sales department could not remain open. So we had to basically, we walked in on a Wednesday morning and had to tell everybody, don't come back to work tomorrow um, in the sales department. We were shut down. So I lost my, uh, all our sales staff had to go home. 
all of my sales BDC reps had to go home. A couple of my service BDC reps were on the older age part were afraid of coming in because of the coronavirus. So I didn't, you know, she didn't talk. She said, you're not coming in and stay home. And I said, I'll cover. So I basically sat in an office and pounded on the phones for five days before a group of dealers got with the county commissioners to loosen the restrictions a little bit so that we could sell cars and I could bring some extra staffing in. And that's how it got done, Dave, huh? It was it was a matter of the, the county dealers banding together and kind of coming forward and saying, hey, you know, give us an opportunity under an appointment only, under a, a no-touch basis. Is that sort of what – is that how it happened? Yeah, we're – we they, they followed through with what New York has been doing and what New Jersey has been doing. So we're doing the no-touch, the six-foot rule. Um, one of the advantages we have, because I do it here – is everything has to be done electronically and we already sell and deliver cars remotely anyway so we were set up for that part of it so my owner was like i ain't sweating that you already got this in place we're good to go if they release it we're set to run so that part has been easy for us um but they opened it up we can't open the doors we can only sell an appointment only so we're not allowed to advertise that we're open to walk-in traffic got it so when you, you, you mentioned that you've been doing the remote sales for a while now, um, and I'm not going to use the word digital retail because I, I, you and I both, we, we have a similar, I think, thought about that. The point is, is that you do whatever it takes to sell a customer a car, whether that's by phone, whether that's by email, text, digital retail, voice, video communication, doesn't matter. How long have you been already doing remote sales and, and convenient sales at your store? I've been doing it since I got here. Um, one of the thing, reasons they brought me in from the group I was at was I was blowing them away out of the water, and they couldn't figure out why, and I was taking customers out of the backyard, and I said, because I'll go to the customer with the car. I'll deliver the car remotely. I'll desk the deal in the back in the BDC. I do more deals. I desk more deals in the BDC than our sales manager staff does out on the floor, and I'll make a complete deal and have a car packaged up and ready to go and deliver So when I got here, I started doing it, and they were like, Oh, this works. I said, of course it works. But I've been doing this for like five years now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you've been in the remote sales business for now. That's about, so five years previous to the two you're at. So seven years, better part of seven yeah. years, you've seen that as an opportunity, right? So when people yeah. come to you and they say, Dave, digital retail, it's probably lost on you because you're like, that's just called customer satisfaction. It's called doing whatever the customer wants when they send me a lead. Is that is that fair to say? Right, that's fair to say. It's like we're in a we're in an age today. The internet created an age where customers could get information readily and easily. We choose to make it difficult for the customers to get the information from us that they already can get from somebody else. So it's like, why? Oh, get them in the door. The old adage: the salesperson, sales managers, just get them in the door. Well, even with the coronavirus now, even the sales managers are starting to realize that day is done. Because I don't think we're ever going back to just get them in the door anymore. I think the customers are now, I think this coronavirus is going to force dealers to adapt to what the consumers have always wanted and what Carvana has been doing that everybody said was going to fail and what CarMax did when they went to the one price and they said everybody said it was going to fail. We're going to give the customers what the customer wants. And the dealers aren't going to do it. They're going to fall. They're going to fail. They're failing now. Yeah, there's a lot of unpreparedness, right, that happens because people aren't ready for this. And the group that I, I helped found back in Colorado, this would have been way back 20, I don't even know, 
05 ish. Um, one of the one of the main things we did back there in 2005 was we, we wanted to be able to, you know, having a mountain community, you know, right outside of our door. We want to make it easy for them to be able to get up, come back, go out there. And when you did that, you see, I worked for an owner who wasn't in the car business. He had he had other interests and got into the car business. So when I brought him the idea of offsite delivery and doing things at customers doors and appraising trades online, he wasn't someone who was like, well, that's not how we do business. He thought to himself, well, obviously you're going to do that, right? So it's I think it comes down to a mindset. When you came to your owner, when they when they recruited you, this was this was expected of you when you got there, right? So when you started to put your things in play, when you started to not necessarily go around the desk, but when you started to desk your own deals in the BDC, when you started appraising trades, doing finance, there had to have been some pushback from the actual people between you and ownership, right? Oh, there was. There was definitely some pushback. Um, the managers knew what I, who I was coming in, and they knew what I did. Um, we had a big one of the things I respected about the owners after I met with the owner and I met with her son and they asked if I would take the position and I said these are the guidelines I have one of them was being able to get a deal due to finance due to trade appraisals you know have complete autonomy to make a deal make a deal and she was okay with it and then we called all the managers in and I explained to them this is how I do it and I said you're not gonna like it but I'm gonna tell you it works and we're gonna sell more cars and we grew 38% last year. Um, and we didn't change any advertising. We just gave the customer what the customer wanted. And we actually made more money. And the, it, it took a little while, but as we started moving the needle, the manager started saying, huh, I'm, getting, I'm making more money. I'm okay with this now. Um, Isn't that what it comes down to, Dave? As long as everyone's making money, it'll quiet any storm that's ahead of us. <laughs> it, it sadly, but yes, it is. It, it is the almighty dollar. The almighty it comes down dollar. to is. So let me ask you something. You talked about. You just touched on it. You touched on you, your, your ownership changed nothing of advertising. They brought you in. They changed processes. They went down a different road with advertising budgets now. Because as you know, that's my world and that's where I live every day. How are you dealing with, how is ownership dealing with their budgets in these times, Dave? And is that something you as an internet director are responsible for? Is it your department? Do you have a separate marketing department? Sort of how does that flow at your dealership today? Um, we have an ad company that we use uh, that they've been using for, I don't know, 10 or 12 years now. Um, I sit in on all, I have a say in and on all the advertising that we do. And we're pretty much 100% digital right now with our advertising. Um, we kind of set a budget at the beginning of the year how we're going to go, and we kind of modify depending on, you know, right now we have obviously we're making adjustments based on the pandemic that's going on currently right now. But we, I'm a big ROI guy. Everything for me has to have an ROI that makes sense. And if I can't track it, I'm not using it. Um, third party vendors, I will say, have stepped up their game phenomenally this month to help out the dealers. Um, I think you and I were talking about that too. I mean, I got Ely's offered me a free month. Everybody's offering 50% off. Um, it shows you that everybody, we're all in this together. Um, Matt, Mike Cavanaugh, Max Digital's um, offered his services and their Max Digital BDC for free to dealers right now. I've had other vendors offer me their products to try for free right now to see if I like it for the next 90 days to help during this time. Um, and I think it's great that everybody's kind of coming together and it's 
obviously I'm, I'm, we're cutting our advertising down by the vendors coming in and, and offering their reduction in price. It makes it easier for me not to have to sit there and say, I'm canceling you or I'm canceling you for the time being because the reductions have kind of got us to the point where she's okay with the amount of money that we're going to have to spend out knowing that the sales is going to drop right now. Well, that's a fair way to look at it, man. I mean, the best thing you can do right now, the advice I give to all my clients is look at your data from this month versus last month versus the previous year. And the only reason to do that is because what works is going to it's going to be shining, in my opinion. I really think that your data will show you what has worked, what hasn't. And, and in times like this, it really brings itself to the forefront. So I think that makes it a lot easier. Dave, how do you guys, you know, obviously you're, you're being given orders in sort of three-week three week increments. How are you guys handling discussions? Are you guys having managers meetings daily about these things? Weekly, is there like, how is your group communicating all of what's going on during times like these? Um, we started um, a few weeks ago, we were starting to do it every, every other day. Um, we would have a giant conference call with all the managers, um, sales and service and parts. And then starting last week, we were meeting every day and now that when the sales department shut down, we've kind of tailored it as new information comes out, she'll send out an email to all the managers saying, get on this call, we're gonna have a group call right now, or we're gonna have a group call in 30 minutes, and everybody has to email back saying, okay, okay, okay. And then we're getting on a call and having a discussion, but right now, sadly, we're, we're meeting based on a reactionary methods to what is happening with the situation as it's evolving. Okay. I mean, look, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's unfortunate, Dave. I think that's really the only matter is because is, is to be reactionary. And I say that it, it sounds like your owner has a plan, right? For the long term, how she's handling her employees, how she's handling her pay, et cetera. But what, what she can't know is what restrictions will happen tomorrow, what discussions government has, et cetera. So, I mean, I think that's really a great approach. And I hope folks listening uh, will really take this and, and say to themselves, are we communicating that way at our stores? Because it's really, really important. So, Dave, we talked about a little bit pre-show. Um, everyone's talking about how the behavior of online customers hasn't really changed. Now, I don't necessarily buy that from a lead standpoint. I, I buy that if you look in Google Analytics where I live as a nerd and you, you see shopping behavior, sure, maybe they haven't necessarily changed because everyone's locked in. But I don't see the lead volume, Dave. What are you seeing? And sort of walk me back to when it when it did change, when did it change, and where are you at today with lead volume and that sort of sales inquiry and opportunity? Okay. It's funny. We were talking about this pre-show, and right before I got in the meeting with you, General Motors called me to talk about this same conversation because my lead volume is not going up. It's actually going down. Everybody thought, oh, everybody's going to be home now and it's going to go up. It's not. It's going down. Um, I told General Motors, I don't think it's anything to do with your advertising. I don't think it has anything to do with the programs that are right now. I just think it's the people don't know. Um, I started seeing a dip probably about the 10th of March, second week of March, because I, I look at my Google Analytics on a weekly basis, and then I compare week to week so I could see how trends are looking, especially when we knew this pandemic was coming around. So second week of March, we started seeing a drastic turn um, in terms of website. We advertising dollars spending the same week to week. Our trend was going downwards 
starting the second week of March. Um, we've kind of flatlined the last 10 days or so, mainly because that's when they announced that we had to be shut down. But as more people are hunkering home, yeah, my owner said the same thing, and everybody, and I thought it too, to be quite honest. I thought, well, if he were going to be home, I'm going to get a boatload of internet leads, people inquiring for cars. I'm not, but I'm getting better quality. I'm getting people that are actually buying a car or need to buy a car call me right now, and I'm okay with that. I'd rather have less leads and better quality than just people just tire kicking on the internet right now. And Dave, I got to tell you, man, that's what I've been telling people for the last three weeks. So thank you for you know, saying it yourself from a, from a retail perspective, which is, guys, lead count's going to go down because it's going to be serious buyers only. That's what's going to happen. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, it's going to improve your close rates. It's going to, again, it's going to shine a light on what of your providers and or spend is really driving the needle. You're going to see it here, man. So that is really kick-ass to hear. And, and, and let me be honest with you about something. Um, if General Motors called you and was wondering about their lead volume, I'd say to them, guys, you were the first ones to announce it. You had the best offer. You still have the best offer. And, and, and I, it, has, it has nothing to do with you. This isn't a you thing. I think it's consumer fear. And, and I believe consumer anything, whether it's happiness or fear, runs our world. It isn't, the, it isn't the government, it isn't stock markets, all those things are factors, but consumer fear or their readiness to do business is really what's affected. So Dave, the leads you are getting, you're hearing people, it's, it's only need-based, or is there someone who's like, look, I've been waiting to get this Tahoe for the longest time, now 0%, it makes sense. What, what do the conversations sound like? I'm, I'm getting both. I've had, I've had customers that my car's died, my car's dying, and I've had other people saying, I wanted this car, you got zero for 84 right now, and you got four months deferment on the payments. So that has been, you know, telling someone you don't have a payment until July has been huge in getting people to come in because they, I'm in the same boat. I gotta be honest, I bought my wife a car last week. Uh, <laughs> but I said to her, it's zero for 84, we don't have to make a payment until July. I said, <laughs> it's time to trade your car in right now. <laughs> and, and it was funny. She's like, she says, yes, we're doing it. So we, I did. I did it. And I'm like, I'm in the same boat as people. I mean, the deal, you're right. General Motors was the first to step out with the deal. It's aggressive. It's really good. It's got a great message with it. It's helping people buy time during this pandemic before they got to make a payment. And it's, a, it's making cars more affordable for the consumer right now. And I love it. I agree, man. They came out, GM came out right after 9-11. They were the first ones to fill the doors, man, after 9-11. They were there. They did the zero for 84 or zero for 72. No one had ever seen it before. No one had ever gone down that road before. And, man, they packed the showrooms with it. Within, within three weeks, it was back to absolute wild pandemonium deals on that, which, again, is a fun time. But let me ask you something, car guy to car guy. Is there any part of you, because there's a huge part of me, that wishes they would have done way, way more aggressive leases and put people in two-year terms as opposed to taking people out of market for the next seven? Yeah, see, I said the same thing after 9-11 because I was in the same boat you were. I was working at a GM store. It was like it was like Christmas every day when people were coming in when they announced the zero for 72. But I sat there, I said to my owner, and I said, I couldn't even keep up with the leads on the – and people were calling all the time. But I said, you know, we were putting people in five-year loans, getting them out in three, two and a half, three years. 
six years at 0%, it's going to be tough to tell someone to trade out of that car. And now we're doing zero for seven yeah. in four months. Really, seven and a half years you're going to have a car loan. I was hoping they would do a aggressive lease program for a two- or three-year lease so that we could turn this turn these buyers quicker. But, but yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I think the only reason they didn't, I think the only reason they didn't in this case, not I don't know about 9/11, but I think the only reason they didn't in this case is because you still are going to have a major lull in production. So if they went out with a $99 lease on the tracks and sold all the tracks, the problem is behind it, they're not manufacturing, right? So I think that part plays into it. And I think those are big OEM problems. But I personally, from a car guy perspective, running a store, I would rather them be in, in two-year lease. That's just always the best. Oh, I agree. I mean, the short-term leases are always the best option. Um, get them in, get them out. You know you got someone coming back in three years. Uh, Ford mastered it with the red carpet lease years ago. Um, I, I just think it was a mistake to get out of that kind of a program. I mean, it, it used car market is sustainable now to where you can get these off-lease cars in and flip them. Um, I just think the manufacturers are just not – I don't know if they're afraid. I don't know what the deal is. They're just not coming out with a good enough aggressive lease programs right now. And be quite honest, you can almost buy it cheaper. Oh, dude, I mean, really, I, I lease cars, and the only way that I lease cars now is is through any of the manufacturer programs that allow me to lease um, uh, service loaners. You know, that's the reality of it is that, hey, if you guys aren't going to drive the cost down, you're not going to make it more aggressive, and I've got to depreciate the unit somehow. Uh, I'm a big leaser. I've joked for the longest time. I lease everything but my house and my wife. Uh, those just This is how I roll. I just prefer to get things you know, kind of rolled over. I'm a car guy, right? So I'm used to having demos. So the idea of not being in retail anymore and having to buy cars is like, no thanks, I'll, I'll lease them. So Dave, you were talking about your wife buying a car. Let me ask you something. As, as, as a car guy, do you consider yourself a normal car consumer? Like when someone says to you, hey Dave, what's it like to buy a car? Can you really put that hat on or is it difficult given how long you've been doing? It's difficult. To be quite honest, I don't keep a car that long. Um, <laughs> I don't keep a car more than two to three years. And she ain't gonna keep it. This car we're gonna pass down to my daughter, so our daughter. So the the whole reason we got this car is we know two years she's gonna need the car. There you go. And then I'll just get her something else. But yeah. then that way my kids have a car, and then I'll pay it off, and then she'll keep that car, and that'll be her first car. So as normally I lease them because I'm in the same boat you are. I just I, my wife, my house, everything else I rent or lease. <laughs> That's it, man. It's it. Well, look, I know you're busy. I, you've already been way gracious with your time. Let me just ask you, for folks who are watching the show um, every week, and, and this, is our, this is our Monday show, what advice do you have for them, Dave, right now during these times from a, from a managing your people, from a positivity kind of, what is, what is Dave's sort of word of, hey, guys, right now, make sure you're doing this for your people. Just give us, give us the word, Dave. Um... I'd say keep in touch. Um, I'll be honest with you, one of the things I've been doing um, daily is texting or calling my staff, asking them how they're doing, asking them how the family's doing, asking them if they need anything. Um, showing I care, I think, is the best thing you can do right now. I mean, there's not, you know, our, everybody's hands are tied to a certain point. But if they know you're there for them, I think that goes a long way.
That is awesome, man. That is exactly what I wanted to hear. That's exactly what I hope people are hearing from this. This is about care. If you go back and listen to this episode, you'll hear Dave talk about how he gets in with his people. He makes a culture. And the difference now, people, is that his culture was set up for catastrophe. You understand? And now he doesn't have to panic. His stores don't have to panic. They set advertising up in advance. They set their culture up in advance. There's no scrambling at this moment. So Dave, bravo to you, to your ownership group, and most of all, to your staff, man. Uh, these, are, these are crazy trying times. You and I have been in this game a long time. Uh, we've seen the 9-11s, we've seen the 08s. This is like nothing I've ever seen, but the way this industry has come together has been a beautiful, beautiful thing. I agree. Dave? Thanks so much for being on, man. We really appreciate it. Guys, don't forget, anywhere you listen to your podcast, you will find Five Minutes with Sean, maybe 10. And if you don't, let me know, and I'll be sure it's on there. Thank you guys so much. Go out and have a great week, and keep smiling.